and welcome to another Kirky Free Sermons podcast. Pastor Josh, how is your day going? Good. How are you, Sean? I switched it up on you. You sounded like a recording for a minute. It was me. I know. I was talking. <laughs> how is your day going? It's so far so good. 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 You enjoying your fall? Yeah. Um, or autumn? Yeah, you know, what? it technically doesn't start till what, the 21st? Oh, I guess that's true. Or do you just go yeah. by the weather? I the weather kind of dictates it, huh? You go by the weather, because if it's September 21st in Texas, it's not September 20. It's not no. the same as September 21st in Minnesota, right? Right, right? So around here, yeah, since we're north, it's fall mm-hmm. right now. I think Leaves last day might have been the hottest, the last warm day Yeah, for a little while. Yeah, yeah, we're headed the wrong direction, there's no doubt about it. I had ice on the window of my truck the other morning. Mm. Yeah. Now, this was probably a week or so ago. Things have changed since then, but I thought, yeah. yeah. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. Get the scrapers ready. Yep, clothes are getting swapped out today, yep. I think. And she's been holding off on the fall decor, but it I don't think it can wait any longer. <laughs> it's coming Your out. wife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I know how that goes. There's this big mix-up in the house where mm-hmm. things get put away, and yep. we'll be putting up Christmas lights soon enough. <sighs> and I'm going to beat you this year. I'm putting them up first. You think so? Well, when are you going to do it? I don't know. I got my own ladder this year, so I can do it whenever I want. All right. I don't have to get it from your dad. Just give me a heads up, and I'll, I'll be up there the day before. I'll be putting mine in. <laughs> Josh, we're still in the missions uh, discussion. You, you've, you've put us into a mini-series on missions. And your last message, which I was actually in attendance for, so I can speak somewhat intelligently on what you said versus what you're about to say. Sure. And uh, you're talking about us being Christ's ambassadors. Yeah, that's right. Um, we've been following our mission's purpose statement. It's kind of been our uh, outline for this series. Mm -hmm. And so we've been kind of looking at the different statements that are in that, um, such as our God being a missionary God. So it begins with God himself. Um, And then we looked at his call, meaning to make disciples of all nations. And so we, we explore that idea. What who is all nations and what is that call? What does making disciples mean? Sure. And, um, and really at what point does that call get accomplished? And that's kind of the, the the next phrase in there. It's it it reads this way: This call is accomplished as believers fulfill their role as ambassadors of Christ. And it might be a foreign idea to a lot of Christians. Maybe we think of the apostles as ambassadors for oh, Christ. Oh, I see. Right? Yeah. Um, or pastors, or evangelists, missionaries. Mm-hmm. But do you think of yourself as an ambassador for Christ? You ever thought about that? Yeah. Um, but this is a great text to. What my, my hope was, was that we would gain clarity and confidence in our own role as those who need to make disciples. Yeah. Um, and I feel like those are the two areas most Christians struggle with is I don't feel confident enough to share, and I'm not, I don't feel like I have a good enough understanding of what it is I need to say. Yeah. So I, this text really helps, I think, clarify that, gives us a really good, simplistic um, this is it. This is the heart of it. It's going to involve more than that. Um, if you think of an ambassador um, who's working between two countries, let's say, right? He has right. to. He's he needs to be very diplomatic and very. He's a translator. Yes, and he needs to have tact and carefulness in how he does that. Yeah. So there is a way of sharing the gospel that that you're going to need to do that um, thoughtfully, right? Sure. And how you engage people. But the message at the heart of it, you're always going to get back to that. And that's yeah. what we wanted to, that's what this text, I think, is clarifying for us. Yeah, that's great. I, I think you're right. We tend to diminish our own role. We look, mm-hmm. just as you said, we look at the apostles. Mm-hmm. They were the guys. Uh, my local pastor, he's the guy. 
Uh, we're right. all actually missionaries in our own at our workplace, right? In our home, perhaps. Yeah, and um, yeah, the task is the same whether we're here or whether we're in, you know, uh, Africa or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So. I really liked you just mentioned you you brought it up, so let's talk about it a little bit more. Having confidence in Christ and and uh, confidence and clarity, right? And that is something you know. I, I when you said that in the sermon, which everyone's about to hear, one of the things that jumped in my mind is. Um, practice. Mm-hmm. You gain yeah. confidence and clarity when you practice telling people about Jesus Christ, when you practice giving them that information. Because mm-hmm. uh, just like this podcast, mm-hmm. if you listen to the first time you and I did this, right, it was a little bit rusty. It yeah. wasn't so great. And now, of course, it's just polished and perfect. Uh, nothing that we could possibly improve Absolutely. on. Right. But what <laughs> I'm saying is, is you just get more natural at it. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when we started doing this? Yeah. We we sat down with very rigorous notes and we we okay, oh, yeah. here's the plan. I'm gonna say this and then, yeah. then we're gonna jump into that. And now we kind of wing it. And yeah. and I think about that in the context of sharing um the good news of Jesus Christ is you yeah. just get better at it as you do it. I think so. Yeah, for sure. And the the problem maybe the problem that we face is, well, maybe the first one or two times I'm gonna kinda botch it. Yeah. But don't fear that God can't use even your botched attempt. Yeah. To share the gospel for his good, you know, Absolutely. for that person. That might be what they need. They need that botched attempt of you with some courage, mustering some courage, sharing what, what's on your heart and how yeah. God has worked in your own life and uh, in, in a very imperfect way. Yeah, but you will so get good. better at it. Absolutely. I When I look back on my own life, I've never regretted doing a bad job, doing a fumbling, botched job. Mm. I have regretted saying nothing. Mm. That's the things I look back on. And I say, ah, right. that's tough. Right, right. Yeah. No, there is much at stake. There is, yeah. So, you ready to get into the message, Josh? <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> I'll okay. leave it at that. <laughs> we were just talking about how you get better at things. Yeah. Awkward silences that we have <laughs> where we look at each other and think, whose turn is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's listen to the message. Yep. Good morning, everybody. If you were uh, with us last week, uh, we examined the second phrase in our own purpose statement, our church's purpose statement uh, in regards to missions, which said that our missionary call is to go and make disciples of all nations. Remember that? Matthew chapter 28. That's the imperative, the command of none other than Jesus our Lord and Savior. Okay, We saw that the task itself is enormous because it's all nations, meaning all people groups. And for that to happen, some must go and they must cross cultures in order to do it. They must reach people who are unreached because His name will be exalted in the earth. And the rest of us, with that same singular passion, will send some of them to that task And then we will continue to make disciples in our own locality. So this is the call, right? Now, our statement continues this way. It says, this call is accomplished as believers fulfill their role as ambassadors of Christ. I have it there on the screen. It's also in your worship folder for you to take home and look at. So what is that? What does that mean? That's that the, the call is fulfilled 
as we see our role as ambassadors for Christ. I could put it another way or ask it this way. What does being a disciple maker mean? What does it involve? Jesus said, we saw this again last week, that you shall be my witnesses. And we know that at least involves this, that we are going to speak for God. We have something to say. But when it really gets down to it, that is sometimes easier said than done, is it not? What I find is that we disciples, okay, struggle with two main things when it comes to speaking. Number one, our confidence and our clarity. Our confidence and our clarity. We let doubt and overthinking eliminate our witness altogether. You say, man, wouldn't it be so great if God just just boiled it all down to one simple idea, right? Just something I could remember and then gave me the assurance to make it known to other people. Well, guess what? He has. He has done that. So we're going to make sure we get to the bottom of it today. Do you want to speak with more clarity about the gospel you believe in? Do you? You want to speak with more confidence about the gospel you believe in? Yes. Thank you. All right. Do you want to see missions accomplished in your life? Yes. Yes. Okay, then. Well, by way of introduction, let me tell you about Charles Francis Adams. Have you heard that name before? Do you know anyone named Francis? (laughs) Charles Francis Adams. Um, You probably have heard of his dad, John Quincy Adams, the sixth U.S. president. And if you haven't heard of his dad, then you've probably heard of his granddad, who was John Adams, the second U.S. president and founding father of our country. So you can see why history sort of overshadows this poor guy. Two of his predecessors were U.S. presidents. But Charles Francis Adams played no insignificant part for our country. You see, it was during the Lincoln administration that Charles was the American ambassador to the British. Now, you may not know this, but when the Civil War broke out in this country, there were definite moves underfoot by the British government to intervene in this war. And guess who it was who they planned to help? The Confederacy, the South. So Charles' task was to prevent the British military from getting involved in our civil war and to ensure that no provision of supplies or arms were given to the Confederacy. Well, in 1861, war almost came. Two diplomats of the Confederacy were on their way to seek aid from Britain and from France. Okay? Now it became a failed attempt. You know why? thanks to the, quote, calm but firm diplomacy of Adams. He was true to his task and to his mission. How vital is the role of an ambassador? And this is the image that the Word of God uses to describe our role as followers of Jesus Christ. Would you open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? 
That's where we're going to be today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And would you stand with me? Beginning with verse 16, Paul writes, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You can be seated. Father, we ask that You now would speak to us in the way that we ourselves need to hear. Lord, we are not unaware of what is happening in our world, and therefore we ought not be unaware of what you have called us to do. So, Father, may you grant that when we leave here today, we leave with confidence and we leave with clarity about what you have done for us and what you have commissioned us to do. We ask this, Lord, in your Son's name. Amen. Well, did you notice verse 20 there? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. How did that happen? Right? How did you become an ambassador for Christ? Well, you got to back up a little bit, don't you? Let's go to verse 16 for right now. There Paul writes, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. What Paul's saying here is that since he was saved, since he was converted, he no longer judges other people by how they appear or by those superficial things that he once did. In fact, before he was saved, he once judged Jesus by those very same things, right? He regarded him in the flesh, meaning, oh, look at this guy came from nowhere, from a little town of Nazareth, wasn't trained in the rabbinical schools, and then died a humiliating death on a cross that no one expected the Messiah would do. But now that Paul has been saved, he no longer understands Jesus according to the flesh. No, Jesus was the Son of God, destined to die as the Lamb of God. And so those in Jesus, his brothers and sisters now, he doesn't size them up anymore by earthly standards, right? Like what kind of family they came from or how much money they made or how successful they are. But he sees those in Christ for what they truly are. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ here, this is what you are. You're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So you see, Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, He does not change our circumstances, 
That's not what needs fixing. The problem is not the place, the locale. He changes us. And that is the problem too few are willing to own up to. I need change. And a self-help book is not the answer. And who wins the election in November is not the answer. And a new job won't do it. And a new spouse won't help it. You can change all of that. But at the end of the day, you'll still have the same heart. And that's a change that mankind, none of us, can fix. You say, well, how then? How can you be a new creation? Notice verse 18. All this is from God. Well, what did God do in order to give us new life? The rest of the verse continues. All this is from God who, through Christ, reconciled us to Himself. There it is. God, through Christ, reconciled us to Himself. Let's think about that word. Reconcile. Do you have any relationships that are unreconciled? Not talking? You're at odds with each other? Right? There's a hostility between you and that other person? It's a separation, right? Most of us can't live but for a few hours in an unreconciled relationship among those we love. And yet, so many of us go a lifetime unreconciled to the one who loves us the most. No peace. Paul put it this way, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, See, by your evil actions, you alienated yourself from God. As Isaiah writes, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so He does not hear. So there is a worse, I know it's hard to believe, but there is a worse unrest than what is happening in our country. It's the unholy unrest within the souls of men and women. Souls which refuse to see that it's our own hearts that are to be blamed. No one else. And the deserved cost of such antagonism towards God, such hostility towards God, is His righteousness, His holy justice. Because we've broken, we've broken His law, right? We've spurned His grace. And be careful about crying out to God for justice, for God to be justice to you. Because as David prayed, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, If you should do it, who could stand? But the reason that I can stand here today is that God hasn't let our sin be the last word in this relationship. Because God loved us. He loved us through Christ, right? When Jesus died on the cross, He took all of that hostility on Himself. Notice, God did not ignore our trespasses. He didn't sweep them under the rug. If God could just ignore sin, that means His holiness, well, His holiness wouldn't mean anything. But because God is holy, His wrath against sin needs to be satisfied. So what did Jesus do? He offered Himself a sinless sacrifice, right? So in Him, sin is atoned for. It's covered. 
And Paul and the believers that he wrote to have now been reconciled, right? Restored to God. So, they were a new creation. So, how did this happen? Well, how did you become an ambassador? Well, because they were a new creation, they had a new calling. Therefore, since God has reconciled you, now He has a call on your life. You're now His ambassador. That's how it happened. Now, what does that mean? Well, the basic idea of an ambassador involves two things. Okay? Two things. You represent and you deliver. You represent and you deliver. Number one, you represent His majesty. Not the King of England, the King of Kings. Right? We are ambassadors for who? Verse 20, for Christ. So listen to me now. You no longer represent yourself. You're not the highest authority. When an ambassador is sent to a foreign land, okay, where he or she will live, they represent those that sent them, right? They are to live and they are to work in the interest of the sending authority. By the grace of God, you are now citizens of where? Of heaven. That's your home. This place isn't your home. So wherever you go here, you're on foreign soil. So you're not here to live however you want or do whatever you want. You've been sent on behalf of the King of Heaven. So there should be, listen, there should be no such thing as an aimless Christian. Oh, I don't know what to do. You have a clear call. In everything, work for the glory of Him who sent you. You're on duty, in other words. Right? You've been given a clear purpose. Represent Him. Represent Christ. And the fact that God has appointed you to such a position should give you the greatest confidence. Right? As an ambassador, you're sent with all the authority of the one who sent you. Let's not be so quick to forget that beam on which Jesus commissioned us last week, right? All authority. How much? All of it in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. Go, therefore, right? Now, here's my question. You've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I know that. But have you accepted the fact that God has made you His ambassador? We're much more reluctant to do that. Listen, it's not a spiritual gift that some have and some don't. The only qualification is this, verse 18, right? You've been reconciled. Have you been reconciled? Do you have peace with God? Then you're His ambassador, right? Notice how verse 18 transitions. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us, what? The ministry of reconciliation. The sooner you accept that, God has made you His ambassador. The sooner you'll have the confidence to grow and to exercise that call. So you're His ambassador. In other words, start acting like it. And that goes for me too. Well, an ambassador not only represents His majesty, okay, and therefore can act with confidence, 
he or she has a specific task. You are to deliver his message. So let's be clear what you and I as ambassadors are to do. Are you to manufacture the message? You need to come up with it? No, that's a relief. It's not for you to figure out. It's his message. Are you to change the message? No. That's called treason. Okay? And for those who would attempt to do that, God gave you a warning. He said, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. So it's not to be manufactured, and God forbid that you would change it. Now, I don't fear those two as much among us as I do this last one, that the message gets buried and unspoken. In other words, don't be like the servant who was entrusted with his master's money, but instead of investing in it, buried it, did nothing with it. Right? When Jesus, I'm sorry, when the master came to him, what did he say? You slothful and wicked servant. So listen, you're not to manufacture it. You are not to change it. You are not to bury it. Then what? Deliver it. That's all you have to do. It's quite simple, really. Well, what's the message you're to deliver? What's been entrusted to you? Verse 19, right? That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us, what did he entrust to you? The message of reconciliation. Listen, in one word, you can sum up the entirety of Paul's ministry. And in one word, you can get to the heart of the gospel. Can you remember one word? Say yes, I can remember one word, okay? Then remember this one. Reconciliation. You've been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. So let's talk about it, right? This is what we want when we engage with people to be clear about. You want clarity, right? Well, reconciliation, we know that because that's a relational word. Implies that something's been broken, but it can also be healed again. Because you see, reconciliation involves two parties. And in the context we're talking about, that's God and it's you. And here's the amazing thing. The party offended in these two is the party that initiates the healing. And it's not us. So think about this. God was never unfaithful, never untruthful, never unloving towards any of us. But we, mankind, walked away from Him. 
In other words, we rejected him as being king over our lives. Instead, put ourselves on the throne. And look at the result, right? You've reaped what we've sown. We have no peace. We have no wholeness. There's no fullness. And we deserve our wage, which is what? Eternal death. You say, eternal separation? How can that be? How is it that hell is forever? Because God is infinitely glorious. So the punishment fits the crime. You've sinned against an infinitely glorious God. But when we deserve this judgment, God initiates the restoration. In fact, every sin that stood between us and God has now been paid for in the blood of Jesus. So as far as God is concerned, everything, that block the path to Him has been removed, nailed, the Scripture says, as it were, to the cross. That's half the message, okay? Deliver the news. Deliver the news. What's that? In Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Verse 21 is the explanation of all that God has done for us. Look at it. Verse 21, For our sake, for us, He made Him, that's Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus never experienced sin. He didn't know it by experience. He knew what it was. He never knew it in the terms of He never did it. So there was never a time in Jesus' life when He had to go and make sacrifices because there was nothing that He needed to atone for. But on Him... All that our sins deserved was poured out. He was made to be sin for us. And God didn't stop there. Because then He adds, so that in Him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So your sin has been charged to Christ. And then God turns around and says, and my righteousness, I'm going to charge that to you. So don't, listen, don't you ever say, when is God ever going to do something for me? God has done everything for you at the expense of His own Son. So deliver the news. God in Christ has made reconciliation. It's made possible. That's the first part, right? But it comes with the charge. So deliver the charge. Right? That's the rest of verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God Himself making His appeal through us. What is it? What is God speaking through us? We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Jesus, speaking through us, says this to the rest of the world. I'm imploring you. That means I'm pleading with you. I beseech you, be reconciled to God. Charles Spurgeon was once stopped at this verse and he wrote the following. I'm going to put it up here for you. He said, as I came along this morning, I felt as if I could bury my head in my hands and weep as I thought of God beseeching anyone. Listen, he speaks and it is done. Myriads of angels count themselves happy to fly at His command. And yet man has so become God's enemy that He will not 
be reconciled to Him. God would make Him His friend and spends the blood of His dear Son to cement that friendship. But man will not have it. See how the great God turns to beseeching His obstinate creature? In this I feel a reverent compassion for God. Must He beseech a rebel to be forgiven? Angels, do you hear it? He who is the King of kings veils His sovereignty and stoops to beseeching His creature to be reconciled to Him. I can put that another way. God is willing to humiliate Himself for you. Stooping to pleading with you. And I'm telling you something, though. The moment you do, the moment you turn, He'll run to you. He won't hold back. Sat, listen, I'll show you, okay? Can I show you? It's one thing, we can go on and on talking about reconciliation, but I'd rather you just see it. You want to see it? Picture's worth it all, right? I'm going to show you two things. Here's one from the Old Testament, okay? Do you, um, do you remember the story of Jacob and his brother Esau? Mary hadn't seen each other for years, right? Jacob had deceived his father and stolen his brother's blessing, okay, which was a serious deal because he literally ran for his life. His brother wanted him dead. And that's the last they saw each other. Unreconciled. And now Jacob, by, by God's prompting, is going back. And as he's coming, he's wondering to himself, is he still waiting for me? Right? So, in Genesis 33, verse 3, it says, He himself, that's Jacob, went on before them, his, his family, went on before his caravan, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Now, here's what happened. But Esau ran to meet him. With a knife? No. And embraced him. And fell on his neck. And kissed him. And they wept. That's reconciliation. Right? I'm going to tell you something. The best stories on earth, I don't care where you find them, the best ones on earth are these ones of forgiveness and restoration because they are echoes of the greatest reconciliation ever. Okay, turn in your Bibles. i got to show you to Luke 15. This is more than another echo, okay? This is it. It's a parable. Jesus told it, meaning it's a comparison to help us get God. It's really about us and it's really about God. Okay, Luke 15, starting in verse 11. And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. In other words, you're not dead yet, but I want you to give me what's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. 
Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Verse 17, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son, my son, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. You know, for a, a distinguished elderly man, such as this father was, to pick up his robe and to run through the streets. Listen, that was... It's scandalous. Men didn't do that. They walked with dignity. So what happened here? Listen, he humiliated himself. For what? For a son that adored and loved him? No, for a son who had spurned him and treated him as though he was already dead. But to spare that son the further humiliation of walking through town and being glared at, and pointed at by people. The father humiliated himself to run down. And before the son could even utter a word, he scooped him up and kissed that dirty pig stinking face. And that's the God that's waiting for you. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. That means you go with His authority, so be confident. You're an ambassador for the King of Kings. It means you go with a message. Be reconciled. Listen, make amends with God because Jesus has made reconciliation possible for you. So be clear. When Charles Francis Adams was appointed as ambassador for the United States, what was at stake was war. It's high stakes. Well, what is at stake in God's appointment of us as His ambassadors? Listen, 
It's nothing less than the souls of men and the souls of women who are as it is at war with a God who loves them. So there's something at stake. Let's pray. Lord, I think I speak for all when I say I want to be done with aimless living. With reluctant, at a distance, safe Christianity. Because of what Jesus did for me, I have peace with you. I've been reconciled. We're walking together. And now you've given me a new calling to represent you and to give this world a message that they desperately need to hear. So Lord, whatever it is that's been between me accepting that task, I pray that you would cause it to fall down and we'd surrender to you and we'd embrace the mission that you've given to us, knowing that you, your authority is with us, your presence goes before us, and we know what it is we need to say because we've experienced it. So we thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name.